Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. How does God deal with the sins of the universe? That's what we're talking about on this episode of Inverse. My name is Justin Kim, host of this podcast and video. We're glad that you are here with us and in the studio also with us is Sebastian, Israel, and Kelly. Hello, you guys. Aloha. And we're talking about the book of Leviticus. We are in chapter 16 of the third book of the Old Testament of the Bible. And we have been uh, in a lot of, lot of minutia, a lot of, a lot of detail, a lot of... Uh, accoutrement, I like to say that word. Mm. And uh, we're getting to the climax of it in chapter 16. So let's go to verse 29. We're going to read it. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer. And Brax, can you pray for us? Yes, let's pray. Mighty God, everlasting Father, we are privileged to be able to study your word. And we ask in a special way that you would guide us as we reflect upon judgment as we study in the book of Leviticus to understand better this judgment and the hope that God affords to us through mm. it. We love you, we thank you for these gifts, and we offer this prayer from our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So Kelly, you were with us in our last episode. Can you get any of us, give us a kind of, so 16 is like the, the oh, oh, of, of, yeah. of all chapters in, in, <laughs> in, in Leviticus. You have the five books of Moses, you have the central one being Leviticus, and then you have chapter 16 be the center of the center. And then we're like, this just this is like a big climax apex. There's a lot uh, of pressure. What's it about? This is a lot of pressure. A right lot now. of pressure. Oh, I'm just building, I can build it even more if you want me to. No, thanks. We can, we can pause it there. Thanks, though. <laughs> <laughs> so the Day of Atonement is talking about how God does deal with sin. Mm -hmm. um, so there is the kind of going into a little bit of the details. There are these two different sacrifices. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them dies, representing mm -hmm. Jesus um, and his taking um, that for us. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the scapegoat that we spent some time talking about, mm -hmm. which has the sins transferred to him and he wanders around the wilderness mm -hmm. and he dies without sacrifice. Which, no, which not necessarily is a sacrifice. One is a right. sacrifice and one's kind of like a, a non-sacrifice. Yeah, 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 non, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sin involved, but yeah, it's not like, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and that's representing, so we have Jesus, the first one, mm -hmm. and then the scapegoat, not representing Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, that's representing the devil mm -hmm. um, and how he's going to have the sins of the world placed upon him at mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we spent some time talking about how like the sanctuary is like this dumping ground, is mm -hmm. a garbage bin for the sins of the universe. And God's take, taken that on in his own house, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he's cleaning it. He's cleaning it. Mm -hmm. So let's go to the end there of chapter 16. This is kind of part two. And so if you guys are out there, take out your Bibles and you can read Leviticus 16 with us. You can also go to inversebible.org and download the Bible study guides, the inverse Bible study guide series of this one on uh, the book of Leviticus. So verse 29 is where we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 to 34. And is, can you read that for us? Sure. This shall be the statue forever for you. In the seventh month of the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as a priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments. 
Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting, for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay. What is going on here? So we talked about the Day of Atonement. Thank you, Callie. And then the two goats, one sacrifice, one not. And then on this day, so the portion that Israel read is the people's reaction mm -hmm. to uh, what's going on uh, in the last episode. And if you guys haven't watched it, we encourage you to go to hopetv.org slash inverse, and you can watch the previous episodes on the Book of Leviticus. Uh, we looked at how the people are waiting for the high priest to go into the most holy place, and, and uh, sometimes <laughs> he didn't make it out, and so there was a little bit of anxiety. But now we have Jesus going into the heavenly most holy place. Mm. Um, but while the people are outside, you know, are they outside just, you know, eating popcorn and waiting for the <laughs> high priest to come out? Are they... You can kind of see what they're doing in verse 31. Oh, verse 31. Okay. Yeah, kind of the crux of there. So, it's a Sabbath of solemn rest for you. So, you're not okay. going about your your regular work like, oh, yeah, today's a day of atonement. I forgot. So weird. Snuck up on me. Right. That's not back in uh, <laughs> while Jesus cleanses my sins. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. But instead, you shall afflict your souls. Mm -hmm. uh, so, they are searching themselves. They are confessing. They are being there, um, it, it's a very, like they're not in the room, right, mm -hmm. with the priest, not mm -hmm. inside the sanctuary with them, but they're like mentally and spiritually, they're going through this experience mm -hmm. alongside him as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. yeah. And there's sort of like also a, a heart searching. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that heart searching is because if you were just going about your daily life, you would not be giving appropriate time to the benefit of what the high priest is accomplishing for you at that moment. Mm -hmm. Because if your sin is not confessed and been transferred to the sanctuary, you're now accountable for that sin. Mm -hmm. And you ultimately will be cut off. So, you're, you're, God is, is building everything He possibly can to cleanse people and to save them. Mm -hmm. So, He's like, this is not just about me making an arbitrary command, take a Sabbath, afflict your souls, I just want to see you suffer mm -hmm. before I cleanse you. Mm -hmm. But this is more so to say, look, have you done and given me everything that I can take from you? Mm -hmm. Have you brought it to the sanctuary so that I can cleanse you? So this is this, this constant New Testament theme throughout this whole uh, service on the Day of Atonement is God is for you, not against you. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to help you be saved. I'm trying to help you be cleansed. Mm -hmm. And I want sin out of every part of your life and your being and your community and ultimately the world. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I think the sometimes this can be misunderstood. Like, why do I got to afflict my soul? you know, somebody could say, like, what's the big deal with this? Like, mm -hmm. look, you need to be searching your heart. Mm -hmm. You need to be humbling yourself before God because you wronged him, and now he's going about cleansing you mm -hmm. and your sins away. So how can I be watching the person bear the loss, lose their only begotten son, and I'm just going to stand by and say, well, let me just continue on my merry way while he's bearing all of the suffering mm -hmm. that's going on. It's like, look, I should be very humble and say, hey, let me just make sure I've, I've gotten everything out and everything is right. It's a good attitudinal perspective that you have there. It's, uh, I liken it to perhaps parents waiting outside the operating room in mm. the waiting room and just waiting with bated breath. Not that the, the surgeon is making them, you know, right. sit up there and like, mm. you know, you wait out here and you, you, you know, worry until I come out. <laughs> That's you know. true. Yeah, no, but there is a certain genuine concern for Amen. the outcome of the situation. Yeah, yeah. actually, like, um, a few, a few months ago, actually, 
our oldest boy mm. was in an accident and he broke his uh, clavicle bone. Mm. And he had to go, you know, um, they were hoping that the bone would repair on its own. It mm. didn't repair on its own, so he had to go to a surgeon to mm. get it fixed. And th uh, thankfully, right where we were, we had one of the top surgeons because of the university and, uh, you know, the sports program. So they have one of the top surgeons that perform surgery on the football players. So we went to the, we went to the uh, doctor, went to the hospital. He um, looked at my son, evaluated the collarbone, and he said, I think everything's gonna be fine, mm. right? So we went to the OR, the anesthesiologist came in, had a conversation, and this is the first time for me as a parent that I'm watching my son go through this mm -hmm. experience. You right. know? And, and, and all of a sudden you get a flood of just thoughts that are happening, like, you know, things typically don't go bad, but I wonder if this is gonna go bad. So you mm. kinda, as, as we're getting ready, as the moment it's coming for that surgery, because you don't know what can happen, right? We had a moment, you know, I told my son, I gave him a hug, I kissed him, I told him I loved him. Right. You go through all those things, even though you have confidence that the surgeon, the doctor knows how to do his job. Yes. And so you still do that. So we went through that process. Uh, they gave him the injection. And then before you know it, he fell asleep. And then we were taken outside to the waiting room. And exactly like what you said, you know, there's a million things that I could have been doing at that time. I knew my son was gonna be okay. I knew he was in capable hands. I knew the doctor was one of the top doctors in the area. Mm. Uh, I knew that the anesthesiologist was one of the best anesthesiologists in the area. And even though I have a sense that everything is gonna be fine, it wasn't a time where I was like, you know what, let me check the scores on, you know, for the football game, <laughs> mm -hmm. or let me, you know. This is a time when I was sitting there and I was processing the life of my son, my relationship with him, mm. his spiritual walk with God, my spiritual walk with God. It was a time when we were, where, where the focus of our attention was on the work at hand. Yeah. Because the work at hand was, even though we knew it was gonna be successful, it was still a solemn work, mm. right? And so yeah. I think what God is you know, doing here in Leviticus, he sets aside himself as holy. He sets aside his people as holy. And now we have a time of, of, of holiness kind of thing. You know, this is a holy Sabbath, a solemn Sabbath. And the purpose of that Sabbath is pause what you're doing in life and focus on the work at hand. Sin is serious. Right. It's, if it is left alone, the bone will not heal. You know, there, there's gonna be some serious damage. We have to fix this. Mm -hmm. Yes. The good thing is that it is fixable but now is not the time to be messing around, to be playing games, to be, you know. Right, let me go back out, shoot yeah. some hoops, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not the mm -hmm. time for that. Yeah, so, hey, I, I think that's a great, uh, the tone there is, 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 is pretty clear that you guys are talking about. Uh, I want to transition to maybe Daniel 8, Daniel 8, and talk about the anti-typical day of atonement. That's a big Ooh. word that either you get excited about or you scratch your head or you're like, <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? It, let's go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. And this is, we've talked about this in our Daniel series and in our Three Angels Messages series. We've talked about it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, uh, we talk about it a lot because it's important. Uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. And Callie, can you read verse 14 for us? Mm -hmm. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, 
and then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Yeah, so I mean that one little dinky little verse <laughs> is like uh, a keystone uh, Bible verse that just really just brings everything together. Mm -hmm. um, how does it bring it together? <laughs> how, <laughs> how does it do all that? Well, Smash. the fir the first thing is is that it it takes that cleansing of the sanctuary, like we talked about, you know, in the previous episode, the the cluing in and kind of how Leviticus prepares you to kind of understand the cross in different ways. In the same sense, Leviticus 16 helps prepare you for Daniel 8:14. Okay, yeah, for and sure. The cleansing of the sanctuary, you get that earthly sanctuary, but at this point there is no earthly sanctuary. It's been destroyed, it's been robbed. Nebuchadnezzar took everything from it. We're now in a different kingdom. The Persians have come in. So what sanctuary are we referring to? And what is the sanctuary? Which sanctuary are we talking about? And how if there is a heavenly sanctuary, right, which the Bible tells us there is, like how does that need cleansing, right? So that starts to bring up all these questions mm -hmm. that say, hey, this service that was earthly held by this little nation coming out of Egypt actually was, an, it was a, a type, a model, a sort of prototype of the greater cleansing that God is gonna do universally mm -hmm. for all creatures and entities in the universe. Mm -hmm. um, and so Daniel 8:14 tells us this is when that's going to begin. Yeah. Right. So unto this time, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Yeah. Um, well, just to give uh, uh, some some Bible verse to to support. In verse ten, you see that there is an enemy. You see a, a little a little horn there, and it attacks the host of heaven. It casts some down of the host and some of the stars to the ground, tramples on them. It attacks the prince of the host. In verse eleven, takes away the daily sanct the sacrifices in the sanctuary. So you have this earthly entity that's attacking the heavenly sanctuary. Yes. Um, you did mention that there, the, the, the earthly sanctuary was done away with. It was. The mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar came out, but there were, later on it came up again. Yes. Right? So, but we're not talking about an earthly sanctuary. We're talking about a heavenly sanctuary. Correct. The, um, this, all this context makes sense when uh, later on in the 1800s, you have a group of people coming on. They're called the Millerites. They're studying the Bible. They're studying Daniel. They're getting, they're geeking out on Daniel. They're trying to see where Jesus is in Daniel. And then they see, wow. This time prophecy starts in 457 BC, mm -hmm. and you add 2,300 years to that. You come to 1844, and then the sanctuary will be cleansed. The sanctuary is that earth. Oh no, Jesus is coming mm -hmm. in 1844. Which they, they associated the two, right? The cleansing of the sanctuary with the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. And were they right? Did Jesus come back in 1844? Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, we're still here. So. Wouldn't be in the inverse, but... Yeah, well, there, there, <laughs> what happened was he didn't, but there are some people like, well, he did. He came into right, my heart. Yeah. Or, hey, he did, but uh, he got delayed. And so he's, you know, on some other, you know, on his way. <laughs> he's lost in Hawaii. Uh, he's lost. Aloha. Yeah, and so people tend to, or they said, hey, this whole Daniel thing is all mumbo jumbo. Yeah. So just do away with the whole thing. Mm. But when we see in light of chapter 16 that we were studying this entire quarter, it makes sense. Um, Jesus is cleansing the sanctuary upstairs in heaven. So the question is this. So we are now living in the Day of Atonement. Yes, prophetically. Prophetically. Yeah. So then, so we're taking this like long time ago stuff, bring it here. We're here in, in, in 21st century. And how should we live According to the verses that we are, we're studying right now, back to chapter 16, Leviticus 16, mm -hmm. 29 through 34, we yep. are living right now. Jesus is upstairs in heaven, cleansing the sanctuary. He's in the most holy place. He's cleansing the sanctuary on our behalf. He's 
praying for us. He's he's defending us. What whatever whatever uh, all those things that we talked about. But what? How should we live here on earth? Are we afflict our souls? Uh, Sabbath? Are we not to work? Like how? Let's talk about that mm-hmm. for a little while. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the the first thing that that comes to mind is when you understand what that meant for them. Mm-hmm you realize that God was central to everything that they were doing physically, Mm -hmm. right, in that time. So I was not engaged in any type of business or activity that would take me away from this focus. Mm -hmm. And I think in a similar sense, right, 2 Timothy talks about Paul telling Timothy, you know, to endure hardness like a good soldier and not to allow yourself to be entangled Mm -hmm. with the things of this world, right, that you may please him who called you to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. So in this very same sense, you can see that, yeah, you have to go about the things of the 21st century, 22nd centuries, et cetera, et cetera, but you got to make sure that whatever you're engaging in is not taking you away from the reality of what's happening in this heavenly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. You have to be present as opposed to every other nation around Israel at that time. Mm-hmm. They were not. Mm-hmm. And this is continuing that holiness, distinctness, separateness motif mm-hmm. is that I'm going to live as if my sins are being cleansed and forgiven Jesus is doing a work, and therefore I need to be conscious of, is there anything I'm harboring in my heart in terms of sin? Mm -hmm. And through that heart-searching experience, if there is, praise God, there's a sacrifice. And hallelujah, he's still there, and I can still bring that sin, and it can still be forgiven Mm -hmm. and cleansed from me, not just the the, the penalty of sin, but the power of sin in my own life, Mm -hmm. and to overcome that. Mm-hmm. I think that what, what this does for me is it brings into view the fact that we are living in borrowed time, mm. you know, and it's like, uh, what do we do with this borrowed time? Mm. It's like sacred in a sense. It's like if mm. you knew for a fact, you know, you had some kind of illness, the doctor said, you're going to not make it after three, like the chances of success after three years is very, very low. Yeah. And you're now living every year after that, you're thinking to yourself at any moment, this is all this is all over. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, what the Day of Atonement does, or the times in which we live now is, we're living in times different from any other times in mm-hmm. world's history. You know, yeah. whereas before uh, things seem to have little consequence, now they have heightened consequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas before people can afford to uh, live life as, as, you know, with business as usual, now more than ever we can't. Mm-hmm. And so I think what that does for me is, everything that I'm doing in my life, in the light of eternity, how valuable is it, right? How important is it? The job that I take, how important is this job in the light of eternity, right? Mm. Uh, the, the, how I use my, my free time, how, how, mm-hmm. how much value is what I do now gonna have in the light of eternity? And so I think that now is the time that we prepare our minds to live in eternity, not live in the present. And so I think that's what that does mm. in terms of my sins, right? Making sure that I don't want there to be anything between me and God, yes. how I spend my time, how I spend my energies, how I spend my money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and what I do in, in terms of my labor mm-hmm. in order to... There's a certain uh, level of sobriety, a certain level of distinction for these people who are alive uh, and and, and uh, around during this day of atonement, mm-hmm. that does these are people aren't holier, they're not superior, but there is a different level 
of, I, was, I, I guess the, the word sobriety comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And I just love your illustration that you're in there in the, in the waiting room, you looking at your, your sports scores, that's not a bad thing at all. Right. And if you were to do so, that's not a sin, it's not, but in that context, it's just something that you wouldn't do in light of the relationship you have with your son. Yes. And it looks, and it seems like that these people who are living, these people, which which I would assume that's that's us. Yes. There are there things out there that that you know if we do, they're not bad, they're not sins, mm -hmm. but just in light of the relationship that we have with not with only Jesus, but only with what Jesus is doing right now. Mm. Yes. That that we should be sober about. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we can't have fun? No. Does that mean we can't, you know, are we just like, just, you know, waiting, waiting and just like shriveling up? <laughs> no, but we should be different. We should, there should be a distinction. What is that distinction? And, and if we can hammer that a little bit out for, for some young people out there, are we just a joy kill? Uh, <laughs> or, you know, where, how is that, you know, the, the Christian experience of joy and peace and happiness and, and, and how does that all interweave with what Jesus is doing. Is that a fair question to ask? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth exploring. It's a challenging one, but it's worth exploring. And illustratively, it reminds me similarly, my uh, second daughter, uh, Mari, she, when she was two years old, we were leaving church and she fell and she was trying to run from me to play. She tripped and then she hit the side of her eye on a, on a metal chair Eww. as she was falling. Mm. So I run to pick her up and you know, it's just the blood is coming down her face into her eye, right? So of course you're like freaking out and this is, you know, Sabbath afternoon. So you're rushing to the emergency room, <laughs> like we gotta go. And when they get there, they're like, she's gonna need stitches. Otherwise it's gonna grow and it can blind, you know, all this other stuff. And they're going in and they're like, hey, to get the needle, right? They're about to do the stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to find parking, right? So my wife is inside and we're like, she's like narrating to me. So ultimately, when they have to do this and the kid will not be calm and submit to it. And it's like, look, I'm trying to save your sight. I'm trying to save your health. I'm trying to protect you. I need you to cooperate. I need you to be still. I know this is scary. I know you're nervous. And she just would not, right? So they, they literally do this like mummifying thing. So they just wrapped her in this garment <laughs> to keep her still so they could do the thing. Yeah. And uh, she still has the mark near her eye to this day. But I always, reflected on that experience when my wife and I came home from all of that and put her to bed and everything. And, and you start realizing like, how many times is God trying to get us to cooperate? Mm. And when we think about the life that we're going through and the pains and the frustrations and the restrictions that we feel, it's like God has to mummify us and say, look, I need you to submit to this. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to help you out. Mm -hmm. And so I think in a practical way, when we think about our job, when we think about relationship choices, when we think about um, media, health, relationships, it's like, man, is God really trying to do something for me? And I'm resisting him. I'm not submitting myself and humbling myself under the mighty hand of God and say, God's like, look, just let me work. I'm trying, I'm trying to work in your life. Mm -hmm. And so I think in this time, one of those things the Bible says is to rejoice in all things, be thankful. Mm -hmm. So joy and gratitude is essential. Sometimes that's what he's trying to work out in our lives mm -hmm. is to be more grateful, is to be more joyful. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of holiness and the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's, it's on a broader level, submitting to what God is trying to do and cooperating with that. But on a specific level, that changes to each and every individual life in which God is trying to bring you back to the image of God and me mm -hmm. back to the image of God 
in, in the ways in which we need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of it comes back to, too, just remembering that God is trustworthy and we can trust his hands even when we don't know why he's asking us to do certain things. Mm -hmm. um, you asked the question of, you know, is, is, is God asking us to be, have like joyless lives or just like really boring lives? And um, he's, the answer is of course no. Um, but I, there's been several times recently, far back uh, a, a long time ago where God will ask things of me, like I want you to add this to your life. Or I want you to take this away and I'm like, God, isn't my life distinct enough from the world at this point? <laughs> like, mm. haven't I done enough of what you asked? Can I just have that? Like, it's not a sin. Can I please just keep that? <laughs> um, but every single time, without exception ever, obeying God brings a deeper level of peace, satisfaction, and happiness in That's my right. life. That's yeah. right. And, and I... Oh, sorry. That's okay. One more thing. And so I think it's it's important to remember that all these things that God has asked, it's not to bring more sobriety to your life. It's to bring all those things that you're chasing into your life, that you're looking in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. And it does, you don't have to look in bad places. Wrong in this case doesn't even mean bad. It just means incorrect. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's not the place where that's stored. Peace is not stored in that cistern. <laughs> Happiness is not stored in that bowl. It's stored where God has, has placed it and God wants to give it to you. Mm -hmm. And so God many times will ask us to do things that we're like, that's not a bad thing. And he's like, I know. I'm asking you to trust me on this though, because I'm trying to take you somewhere where this, I know doesn't make sense to you right now, but this is actually holding you back. I'll explain it to you later. Don't worry about it, but it is holding you back in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I just need you to take my word on it for mm -hmm. now. As you were talking about the happiness component and a little bit of what Kelly was saying, you know, this, this reminds me of another situation when we had our firstborn son, right? And uh, a complicated birth, Judy ultimately has to go under general anesthesia, completely knocked out, mm -hmm. the baby's born. Now during this time, I'm a, I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan, so <laughs> I have to watch the basketball game. <laughs> So I'm, you I'm, did check yeah, the scores. Yeah. No, Sorry, so let, this, yeah. let me skip so I, so I am, <laughs> I am literally in the maternity suite while my wife has just, I know she's fine, the operation's good, the baby's born, I went to say hi to him. And now I have this suite to myself. I'm like, There's this, tons of women who just turned yeah, off. They're getting mad, right? <laughs> like, and, so, right <laughs> and so I'm watching this, I'm watching the game, right? I'm watching the game. The game is over because they're playing Detroit. My wife's from Detroit. So my wife wakes up out of surgery and I tell her, hey, the Lakers won. And she's like, kind of like, what? <laughs> even in her, even in her, <laughs> she's like, what? I'm like, the Lakers won. They beat the Pistons, right? And, and what, what, what that, what that did is it was happiness should have been in the fact that we just had a baby. Right. 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 And, and I think, and, 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 and happiness here is in the fact that the Lakers are winning. And I think we're living in those times, like the greatest event ever to hit the world is upon us. Yes. And we're here rather than celebrating, focusing on that. We're happy with our little our little yeah. games here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, on that note, on this uh, happiness that is we're just about to anticipate, we do have to share some sad news with you all that our brother that we've been with for many years now, this will be his last season. We will be seeing him again. But Sebastian, I just want to say as your brother, and as the host of the show, as team leader, we have loved you very much. We've Amen. appreciated being in service with you. 
and uh, coming out, and especially to you and your family, mm -hmm. and the sacrifices that you have made for, for this show to happen and for Inverse. We want to say thank you guys out there for your support and, and ask you to pray for this man and the next assignment that the Lord is going to give him, is giving him, mm -hmm. and all the endeavors that he is a part of. But we do say that we are sad that this is the last episode. Not the great disappointment, but the small disappointment. <laughs> You're a small disappointment. Uh, we'd love to hear your input out there. We'll see you next week without Sebastian Braxton as we continue our study on the book of Leviticus. God bless you all. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is inverse.